Welcome to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is M.K. Palmore, the Director of the Office of the Chief Information Security Officer at Google Cloud. M.K., thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Thanks for having me, Jason. Glad to be here. Let me set just a little bit of context for our discussion today. It's been quite a journey since the Office of Management Budget issued the Cloud First policy more than 11 years ago. Under the follow-on policy called Cloud Smart, which turned three years old just this past June, agencies are realizing all the reasons why they started this effort more than a decade ago. Between the advancements in technology and the urgency of the pandemic, agencies are seeing how cloud adoption, specifically public cloud adoption, can serve as the center point for the digital transformation efforts. From telehealth services at the Veterans Affairs Department to the Social Security Administration's online meetings, the cloud is providing a path to serve citizens better, faster, and easier. At the same time, however, the move to the cloud and even public cloud expands agencies' threat surface. This is part of the reason why the Biden administration is pushing agencies toward a zero trust architecture. Agencies need to be able to react more quickly to emerging and current threats through a continuous detection and response process, and the cloud is one of the few ways that can happen. The question then becomes, of course, how can agencies balance their need to digitally transform with their need to secure data and applications? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Once again, I'm joined by MK Palmore, the Director of the Office of the Chief Information Security Officer at Google Cloud. So MK, as we know, the cybersecurity landscape is always changing. It's always uh, new threats are emerging. We've seen it so much over the last couple of years. How would you describe the current threat landscape that agencies are facing today? Yeah, so great question, Jason. I would describe the landscape in this way. Um, we've seen essentially two competing interests or paradigms over the course of the history of information security and balancing those two paradigms is the challenge of the information security practitioner. What they are is, quite frankly, a uh, agility and capability spectrum by the adversary that oftentimes eclipses the capability of the security practitioners to actually protect their environments. And I would say that the lack of agility on the part of security practitioners is part and parcel the reason why uh, globally we have so much difficulty protecting our environments against uh, attacks by external adversaries. And so the external adversary, one thing to note, um, typically has access to the same emerging and capable technologies that the defenders do, and oftentimes, in fact, are better suited because they have an ability to select the best tool for the job, and they have an unlimited amount of time, essentially, in their favor in order to practice continue to target environments and then subsequently, in many instances, gain successful access to environments and then exfiltrate information. And so as practitioners, the blocking and tackling, the general thing that we quite frankly uh, have had a lot of trouble with over the decades continues to be at the core foundational piece of a good and functioning security apparatus. But at the end of the day, uh, we do need to pivot uh, and align ourselves with some of these new and emerging technologies because they actually help to reduce the risk to the enterprise. And part of that conversation, certainly around digital transformation efforts revolves around the adoption of public cloud. You bring up something really interesting here and this is something we've heard over the last couple of decades around cybersecurity. Uh, the cybersecurity defender has to be right every time and the cybersecurity attacker only has to be right once. And that goes with the same idea that they can take time, they have plenty of tools at their disposal. That's why this move to the cloud, this software-defined networking in many ways is so important because they could, all of a sudden there's a catch-up that's happening. And that's why folks like Google and others can, can help agencies do that catch-up. Yeah, I mean, what we're experiencing right now is a, a period of what I call enablement. 
Uh, we've gotten beyond, I think, the original, as I described it to you in our previous conversations, fear, uncertainty, and doubt around cloud adoption. You have both the executive order and directives from OMB indicating that federal organizations and public sector entities should now look to the cloud for their future workloads and processes. There is a way to look at this in terms of the challenge and ongoing problem as a team-related sport. I always like to say security is a team sport. And when you look to cloud in terms of adopting uh, cloud, moving priority workloads to the cloud, what you're getting is a security capability and quite frankly, security teams, which eclipse what you're bringing to the table and actually enhance your security posture as opposed to uh, somehow increasing your risk posture. That idea of increasing your, your capabilities is one that I don't think it's lost on agencies. We're seeing this uh, just recently the uh, Technology Modernization Fund made a uh, big award to the Federal Trade Commission for Security Operations Center as a service, hence in the cloud. Is that, whether it's SOC as a service or so many other trends that maybe are out there, is that agencies are starting to see that benefit of, okay, if we take advantage of all that the cloud has to offer, is that the discussions you're having with your federal clients and, uh, and others in the public sector? Uh, they are a part and parcel to many of the conversations we're having. And so let me caveat my, my interest in the area of security operations as uh, consistently believing that security operations remains at sort of the heart uh, and center of a well-functioning security apparatus. I think what we've realized over time and certainly over the years is that the job of the security operations center and its analysts and personnel and tools is a really difficult one. Uh, and when you think about the scale, reliability, additional resources that come with cloud adoption, you begin to really formulate the challenge in new and different ways. And you begin to think about how with this ability to scale, with this ability to ingest, log, and maintain um, uh, you know, petabytes even of data and log information, it gives you now, not necessarily an advantage, but puts you on an even playing field with potential adversaries so that you can be in a position to even engage in the fight that you're responsible for engaging in. So um, I would argue or proffer that if, if you're not looking at cloud as a potential solution to solving some of those ingesting challenges, the scale challenges in terms of global visibility into the enterprise, you're probably missing the mark on actually identifying from a visibility standpoint, what it is that you need to virtually get your hands wrapped around. And so if you can't do that, then you can't adequately protect the enterprise. That's such an important point that I maybe let's maybe highlight or, or even pull the string on for a second because agencies will be in this hybrid environment for the near future. We know they'll keep some things in the data center. They're gonna to move to public cloud, they'll move to government only cloud, stuff that I know Google does provide. Having something that can cross, go across all those different infrastructures is, is really key and that can only make you more secure versus less secure. Maybe talk a little bit about why that is. Yeah, so let, let me um, iterate or at least provide some clarification first. We provide tools, products and services which meet and or exceed the requirements of FedRAMP and the other regulatory um, uh, frameworks for which organizations in the public sector are now looking to move to the cloud. We do not have a separate GovCloud. We believe that our answer to that in the way of uh, tools like our Assured Workloads or Google Distributed Cloud provides organizations more than ample resources and capabilities while aligning to those frameworks that are very important to protect sensitive data and information. Um, I think that in answer to your question, Absolutely, the hybrid environment is what we're looking at for public sector entities because of my personal experience having served a career in the US government. I know that there's going to be some legacy 
um, uh, applications, tools, information that just cannot be moved to the cloud. And so the posture of the future for most public sector organizations is one where there's a hybrid environment involved. And so uh, there are solutions and certainly teams that can help these organizations notionalize what that future state might look like. But I think it's probably not too far reached to say that as these organizations look to build new components of their security apparatus and their infrastructure, that they should look to do those in the public cloud as opposed to doing them in on-premise resources that ultimately get timed out due to the inability of these organizations to maintain the, those facilities, maintain the hardware in those facilities, continue the app and hardware modernization needed uh, for those facilities. And then when you look at it in terms of return on investment, there's just a clear cut and compelling reason to be looking at public cloud adoption as at the very least part of your architecture and infrastructure needs in the future. When cloud was first introduced back in 2011 to the government and the cloud first strategy, there was a whole push on this idea of saving, saving, savings, like how much you can save. Then as agencies did the lift and shift and, and did some modernization, they probably weren't saving as much as they thought they would. But now we're talking more about the capabilities. And I think this is a key piece that you're bringing up here is you're getting better capabilities. So maybe give me a sense of why there's, or, or what kind of better capabilities are there in the public cloud that agencies can take advantage of from a security standpoint? So let me talk one um, theory and then one uh, in terms of practical examples. The one theory example that I'll give you is that here at Google Cloud, we actually emphasize something that we're calling shared fate. You might ask, what is shared fate? We believe it's the natural evolution of the shared security uh, model that has typically been aligned with how folks view cloud adoption. So the old model is this really bifurcated um, uh, paradigm where the cloud service provider provides some level of security and then your responsibility changes as you move up the stack from infrastructure as a service all the way up to uh, software as a service. We believe this has evolved certainly from our perspective in terms of the investment that cloud service providers need to make in their own security posture. And so the investment that we make in terms of our posture meets or exceeds that of our customers. And in many instances actually provides them the ability to level up their security uh, uh, capabilities from an infrastructure standpoint. And then you can get into the details in terms of the granular controls and capabilities that actually happen as you move up and down the stack and the capabilities that are both inherent in terms of cloud native security controls, but also the tools and capabilities that our partners bring to the table, which actually, again, enhance your posture. So one of the practical examples of this, for instance, certainly uh, for us here at Google Cloud, we have uh, immense visibility into just the general traffic uh, around the world. Our global infrastructure is uh, globally based, uh, located in uh, uh, hundreds of regions and zones around the world, which give us an innate capability to actually see what I like to call, based on my paramilitary service, over the horizon visibility. So we get to see things that are transpiring uh, in other parts of the world. We get to see campaigns that are potentially afoot uh, by adversaries targeting particular business verticals or sectors and we get to ingest that information, make changes in our own security posture, and those changes actually float and become a part of the natural infrastructure changes that our customers, enterprise and otherwise, uh, get to benefit from. So many times, the better part of you know, two thirds, maybe even 90% of the time, they won't even see these activities happening on the other parts of the globe, but they'll be immediately protected against these things happening to them uh, as an enterprise. And so you get what we have come to call uh, cloud is a digital immune system. In other words, we're sort of leveling up our security capabilities based on what it is that we're seeing. And at the same time, we're leveling up the security capabilities 
of all the customers onboarded and everyone who has a presence in the cloud. Both are really good examples. And, and let me maybe start with the theoretical example. This idea that uh, as you move up the stack from infrastructure to software as a service, you're going to get maybe uh, there's an investment that needs to make. Maybe just talk broadly about why. I mean, one would say, well, shouldn't the, shouldn't the investment be the same across them all? Because if you get into the infrastructure, you could potentially hop to platform, to a software, like everything's at risk. Maybe maybe put a little finer point on that. Yes, I mean, the, the, this, I think, naturally leads to a conversation around theories around defense in depth and actually what that actually means uh, in the secure environment. And while we believe that those models are still relevant to the defense of an enterprise, we also understand that for the degree that you can actually increase the posture of the hardware and elements that support the existence of all of these enterprise customers and others on these platforms, if you can make a serious investment there that actually helps them land in a configured state, you know, be able to monitor as it relates to best practices and frameworks, what their posture looks like in the cloud environment. So if there's any drift from secure blueprints or frameworks that have been presented to them when they onboard it, that there's a way to tweak it and get them back in alignment and to provide some kind of constant iteration as to what that looks like. That's something that you're not gonna get, um, uh, or I should say is increasingly difficult if you choose to contain everything in a very uh, sort of walled off environment and you choose to do those things on your own. It makes the job of the security apparatus just an immense one. And there are very few organizations, certainly in the public sector, I know that uh, you know manpower becomes a challenge uh, as it does with any organization. You're not going to have all of the resources, tools, and everything you need to attack that kind of problem. And again, I want to reiterate the idea that security is a team sport. When you make an investment in public cloud, certainly we feel like we have to make a commensurate investment or one that exceeds yours so that as we partner on this idea of reducing your risk in terms of your cloud presence, it's one that's real, it's sustainable to you, and you can actually point to examples where it's happening real time so that that investment that you make, that you're not so um, you know, hard tested or hard aligned to the idea of, am I saving a dollar for every dollar investment? Is your security posture increasing? Are you reducing the risk to the enterprise by eliminating potential vectors of attack uh, to your um, uh, information as it exists in the cloud environment? And these are all things that are necessary and need to be evaluated as you think about future infrastructure needs, future data security needs, uh, an important components of any conversation I think that's happening in the public sector or elsewhere. MK, let's uh, take a quick break. When we come back, we will continue our conversation, maybe get to that practical example. You're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. Google Cloud understands that transformation takes shape in many ways, especially for the federal government. Whether it's adopting a zero-trust approach to your security, a model Google pioneered a decade ago, adopting multi-cloud environments to embrace innovation and achieve your mission, or even deploying practical applications of AI, our job at Google Public Sector is to continue advancing these technologies to scale and meet government objectives. Learn more at goo.gle/ved. Welcome back. You're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is MK Palmore, the Director of the Office of the Chief Information Security Officer at Google Cloud. Now, MK, before break, we're talking a little bit about the current state of the, the public cloud and, and the security innovations that are happening there. We talked about agencies and their kind of hybrid network that they're going to continue to kind of uh, have in the, in, the, in the near future. But generally speaking, agencies have been slow to adopt cloud, and maybe there's been some fear of it. Maybe there's been some 
uncertainty regarding the security and, and, and well, will it protect my data and how it protect my data? But it seems like that viewpoint really has changed. Why has it changed? What's is it just the pandemic or is there more? Um, so that great question. I, I think that there's a couple of factors that contribute to this. One, for anyone that served for any amount of uh, significant time in the public sector space, uh, we know that the vast majority of, of sort of the technical expertise and the um, um, networking space has to do with folks who are skilled networking practitioners. And so these are folks that have been uh, historically for a better part of, you know, two decades doing network and infrastructure security, right? So to them, uh, they may just not have the enablement uh, in place that will allow them to level up their capabilities from a, hey, where do we stand from cloud adoption standpoint, which is why I'm sure there's an emphasis now in terms of hiring within the public sector to identify cloud solutions, architects, cloud uh, engineers that they can bring on board to the organization to better help this uplift and shift to cloud related resources. So some of that gap historically has just been sort of, you know, what we call that fear, uncertainty and doubt associated with not knowing, not knowing how to initiate the journey, not knowing what the journey is going to look like when you land in cloud. And I think that as cloud becomes more prevalent, certainly in the enterprise space, as there are more users, we know that uh, certainly over the past two and a half years uh, with regard to the pandemic, and I think you touched on this in, in the beginning notes of, uh, of this discussion, organizations are now identifying and moving to the cloud to a degree much faster than they have historically because cloud provides that uh, um, not only reliability, but resiliency, that ability to scale resources on demand, and it changes really uh, when you get down into the nuts and bolts, the security narrative of organizations, and again, makes a more compelling uh, opportunity for organizations to transform. If we adhere to a historical, let's just build it in a room where we can see it, put our hands around it, and when we know it's secure, if we stick to that paradigm, you can be assured that there will continuously be adversarial advantage and behaviors targeting public sector organizations, and they will not be adequately equipped uh, in order to combat uh, those adversarial TTPs. Given all we've seen over the last couple of years with the attacks, whether you, we, we can probably go back to the OPM hacking in 2015, when you know they stole credentials and got in and were able to network hop from a contractor system, all the way through the solar winds, whether and then some of the ransomware attacks we've seen recently, you'd think that those folks would, would kind of understand that putting your arms around it, watching the blinking lights is still not the best way is it just fear of change or is it just, I, I can't see what you're doing, MK, so I don't trust you either. Like, what do you, when, when you talk to those government clients, what are they saying to you? Well, it, it's sort of all of the above, uh, unfortunately. It's different components of just simply not knowing what that movement and shift does, whether or not they're still going to be able to provide the kind of internal attestation that their data is protected, that they know where it is, they know who has access to it. All of these are things that, you know, for, from our perspective at Google Cloud, we have answers to these. And so if the customer is taking the time to engage in those conversations, we're certainly providing uh, those answers. And I think that the, the part of the challenge is historically organizations look at, okay, how do I do this massive shift? But they're afraid that if they do a massive shift and then get there and realize they don't have the capabilities to maintain it, it creates a problem. And so what we oftentimes advocate, certainly for public sector organizations is, you know, put your foot in the water, do a limited scope uh, engagement in the cloud where you take some amount of business related workloads, resources and processes and you put those in the cloud. And then, you know, if you look at it from a learning curve perspective, 
you do that a couple of times and you actually build that capability and you build the, you know, the natural confidence that comes from operating uh, in a new environment, once you've built the muscle on that, then you're much more in a better position, I think, to prioritize, okay, we can take larger amounts of the organization. We can even make a determination of cloud first in terms of moving forward in the future. In other words, from this point on, everything we do is going to be built with cloud in mind. But you, you, you have to spend some time learning. Uh, and certainly that level of comfort, again, comes from identifying a workforce that's capable of enabling and getting you there. Uh, and then, you know, identifying partners in that journey that can really roll up their sleeves and help you understand what it is that you're doing. Because at the end of the day, we're confident they're going to be happy with the landing, but we, we all have to sort of help uh, public sector entities march along this journey because, quite frankly, it's, it's just not one that they're used to. Sometimes the landing is the easiest part. It's the takeoff, right? It's that first moment when the plane yeah. tilts you back and you're going, what did I get myself into? That yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the workforce side of it. You talked about solutions architects. You mentioned solutions engineers for cloud engineers. That Those are, are hard jobs to fill. I'm sure even Google Cloud has trouble filling those jobs. So what can agencies do around uh, reskilling, upskilling? How can they kind of identify the skills they need to really start to get those folks who are okay with both the landing and the takeoff? Yeah, well, the first thing they can do is make an affirmative decision to uh, continue to support the leveling up and upskilling of their workforce, right? When someone raises their hand, who's been a, you know, a network engineer for their entire career, if someone raises their hand and say, hey, I really understand this part of the business, but I'd like to learn cloud, you know, continue to support that. And I, I will be you know, the first person to say that you know, public sector uh, support of upskilling is something I certainly I've benefited from in my career in public service, you know, the, the, the ability of an organization to say, we support your desire to learn financially and otherwise, and we'll give you the time and resources you need to go out and make, uh, make that uplift of your skill set. That always comes back in dividends to the enterprise. And so the first thing I would say, just commit to the opportunity, let your employees level up their capabilities. They will reward you by bringing these additional capabilities back into the enterprise. Uh, and that's one way of certainly doing it. The second way is uh, you know, making that investment externally as an organization and supporting efforts by, uh, you know, combined public and private sector entities to level up overall the IT and security workforce. You know, the challenge for certainly those of us in cybersecurity is that we we all know the figures. We we go almost every year with over a million positions globally not filled in organizations that are related to cybersecurity, and that's everything from entry level to mid level positions. And part of the challenge certainly is organizations who hire. Uh, we have to look differently at what it means to hire a new employee and how much investment we're all willing to make in terms of getting that employee to where we need. And we also have to open the optic. Like we have to be thinking about how do we get other people to the table to this exercise, you know, from a uh, diversity, equity and inclusion standpoint, who may not be your typical cybersecurity or cloud, you know, solutions architect starting points or have the background that you normally want to look to. I'm a big fan of, uh, of STEM. Uh, you know, I went to a, a STEM school. Uh, I wasn't a STEM major, but I went to a school where things like engineering were emphasized and part of the natural culture of the organization. But guess what? There are political science majors out there, music majors, folks who have raised their hand and said, I am interested in this field. And the data shows us that if you provide folks with the necessary upskilling, they can enter successfully into the field of cybersecurity and can be up and operating and helping organizations. And so government, I think, or public sector has to look at it the same way, invest in the people, uh, ensure that they get the upskilling necessary. And again, it will continue to yield dividends to the organization. 
And in fact, you saw that from the Office of Management Budget and the Federal CIO Council, who did that upskilling, reskilling academy specifically focused on cybersecurity. They do very something similar with data scientists. So they're trying to get that going. It's it's a it's a quality quantity thing. Can you get enough people to fill those positions? Yeah. Which goes back to I think your original position that you can, as an agency, try to bring in new people, but you can only do it so fast and only, only upskill and reskill so fast. So you have to lean back on folks like Google, Google Cloud, who have some of those skill sets already in place, plus the automation and and the other tools like AI and ML that can really help you deal with security. Talk a little bit about the balance that 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 achieves by bringing some of those automated technologies as well as the people side. So I, I do a lot of talks uh, in the industry around cybersecurity, and I believe that there are uh, three pillars that will be a component of any transformation effort, and they are cloud adoption, automation, and zero trust. And so when you break those down, we spent nearly the entirety of this conversation talking about cloud adoption. I think that organizations need to look to adopt to the degree that they can uh, mature tools and services that provide some level of autom automation in their security environments. Great example of this is, you know, the use of SOAR playbooks in addition to uh, or as an adjunct to your security operations features. Uh, we have a, you know, tool from our product Simplify that allows organizations to actually build out playbooks that create automation in terms of how to address the thousands upon thousands of uh, alerts that most organizations see in the course of the day. And so if you can build out playbooks to then help segregate and address those alerts, especially the ones that you believe historically uh, you've done the homework on, you know what they look like, you know what needs to happen. You're not quite sure you want to get rid of them. You can catalog them, archive them, and not spend, you know, that precious time putting eyes on it. And thereby leaving that, you know, time that you need to get personnel to have eyes on the things that might have an impact from a security standpoint to the enterprise. That's a simple example of where automation can help. And so uh, there are lots of examples, certainly in onboarding into the cloud. You know, uh, configurations we know is a, con a continual problem in terms of addressing uh, how organizations onboard to the cloud. There should be automation involved in how an organization onboards so that controls and security features are enabled and present when an organization creates and starts up a workload so that they're starting from a best point of departure in terms of operating in the cloud. And then the last point around zero trust, uh, you know, I've had exposure to the security industry in a lot of different ways over the years. I know that we get um, turned off sometimes by uh, industry buzzwords or things that we feel are overused, but I absolutely feel like zero trust. This is the time that we need to be talking about this. The concepts of it are valid. It's a valid um, uh, uh, North Star to put in front of an organization in terms of developing a capability maturity model within the organization as it relates to their security architecture. And it's a viable thing, I think, that's going to get us to that next level of infrastructure and security needs. And that's something that's out on the horizon in a distance that we're not quite sure what that looks like. But I'm certain that Zero Trust will play a role in getting us there safely. MK, I know that a lot of uh, agencies are focused on Zero Trust and focused on automation. So there's a lot more we could talk about. It. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Let me thank my guest. MK Palmore is the director in the office of the chief information security officer at Google Cloud. MK, thanks so much for taking the time. You bet, Jason. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search innovation. 
Thank you for listening to the Innovation and in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Network. The entire discussion can be found on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com, keyword innovation.